Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Huber. Welcome to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Today is episode number 64. Bit of a potpourri episode today as we talk about tools, current projects, and what's going on here at, in video land related to Woodsmith. So I hope you enjoy today's show. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right. So, first of all, Logan, you have a new tool. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I didn't mean to buy it, but I bought it. (laughs) I bought this guy. So, this is a... If anybody's watching on YouTube or listening and knows what the ECE uh, or Ulma brand hand planes are, um, they are a modern plane that is made by a company in Germany. Um, This one actually has a sticker that says made in West Germany. So, uh, but they're wood body. They have an interesting adjustment mechanism on them. So this is the lateral left and right. This guy is just the depth stop. But this guy doesn't touch the blade at all. If you can see that, hmm. there's this knob on the back. And this has a piece of rod that goes all the way through and hooks up right down in there. It's super interesting. And the only reason I bought it is I know our shop craftsman, Steve Johnson, had a couple of these guys and he loved them. And we might even have one in the shop still. I don't know if we do or not. I feel like I've seen one around. Chris had one, and I think Dylan's got it either in his office or by his bench. Yeah. But these are super cool because um, the the thing I like about them is this is a beach body, okay, Mm -hmm. but with a lignum vitae sole. So you guys probably can't see that real well, but it's very uh, green colored on the bottom. Um, It's lignum vitae so it's uh, very hard densest wood around i think um so super interesting didn't mean to buy it the guy was asking a reasonable price for it thought i could flip it but i used it a little bit and it's kind of fun and it might stay on my shelf (laughs) that's funny because people say that i have a beach body Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh okay i mean literally no one is saying that but right people some people might be saying that some people yes I don't no. know who they are. People say things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Off topic. But otherwise, I've been doing good. Yeah. Good. Off topic, uh, John? Um, I'm just looking behind you, Logan, because I'm not really listening to you talk. Is that yeah, is, is that the uh, uh, chalkboard cabinet thing that was from the old video studio set, and you painted it gray? Yes. Okay. So, and I will explain this. That was in our old video studio. Mm-hmm. It was Douglas fir, right? Mm-hmm. Or pine or some, something. I, it's probably Douglas fir, just knowing Ted Krylicek. Um And it was one of those that got sold at a company auction when we moved our video studio or something. And I was like, I had a great idea to make my kids a, a munitions cabinet in their toy oh, room. Oh, yeah. So... This was the uh, the Nerf Center. It had all their it had their entire arsenal. It had all the Nerf weapons. It had swords in it, you know foam swords. It had 
uh, Harry Potter wands in it. I mean, it was like the, you know, if, if there was a threat, yeah, yeah, if there was a threat, you could find something to fight it in that cabinet. But right. my wife has decided to reorganize the toy room, and she wanted it pulled off the wall. I'm like, you know what? It's perfect above my lathe for all my turning tools. Mm. It works great. So, oh, yeah. nice. Plus, it's feel, chalkboard, so I just yeah. jacked their shi- sidewalk chalk to write on it. <laughs> I feel like that should have been in the Smithsonian or something, and, and you ruined <laughs> it by painting it gray. I did. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Julia That's Child's okay. kitchen is in there. Don yeah. Peschke's woodsmith shop set should probably be next <laughs> yeah. to it, maybe. Yep. I mean, similar uh, cultural value. So yeah, I think so, yes. Someday. Yep. Just have to do recreations. Yep. So we haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks, but I wanted to give an update on my project that I was hoping to finish by March 20th. Do we have to talk about it? Yeah, I'm going to talk about mine. While I was out, you brought up your current progress on your doors and drawers. Yep, there was Um, But I wasn't there, so... Mm-hmm. In a similar fashion, I'm not done with that gentleman's dresser yet. Okay. However, in addition to my own procrastination and laziness over the past several years on this one, I'm going to blame Iowa weather because I had a few days where I thought I could get it done, and I got the whole case sanded, which if you're familiar with that gentleman's dresser project, there is approximately four acres of white oak to sand on that. Yeah big playing field so i did that and then we had one really nice day this week monday it was 72 degrees the winds were going at about 72 miles an hour Mm -hmm. um, which helped warm up my workshop enough so that i was able to apply one coat of finish on it so if the weather can hold like the forecast says for this weekend there's a strong chance that i'll be able to get that sanded down and the second coat put on and I can begin the assembly and move in process for that. So I'm looking forward to that. Just a couple nice. weeks late. I'm all right. I feel yeah. okay about that. Yeah. You know, with the warm weather this weekend, I am definitely not going to work <clears throat> on my doors and drawers <laughs> <laughs> because warm weather, I got the sawmill itch. It's out of right. the garage. She needs washed off, but yeah, this weekend's going to be a milling weekend. All right. So, cool. Yeah. See, that's the advantage of having my workshop in my garage so I can open up my windows and the garage door and I'm enjoying outside mm-hmm. while, while, still, while I'm inside working on stuff. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the warm days we've had have been super windy, like you mentioned. So it's like when I open up my garage door to open you know, up and enjoy the outside, the outside blows in to the garage. So that's how I enjoy it. Yeah. So but it's like a wind tunnel sometimes. Yep. So so I'm also working on for uh our woodworking essentials video series building a new workbench which we had talked mm-hmm. about I think back in January. And uh Realize that if you're doing this for video and trying to film all of it, there's a lot of like in-between stuff that needs to get done. <laughs> you know, like 
prepping parts and getting things staged and ready to go for the next segment because there's just a lot it's just lots of pieces and steps yeah. and whatever so but i have the base completed now got that glued up okay. and filmed this morning um, and i think the douglas fir that i rescued mm-hmm. mostly from construction lumber and some reclaimed stuff that dylan had left over i think it ends up looking pretty cool so awesome. i painted the panels on the cabinet base but left the left the base itself natural i think i'm just going to oil it and i think it'll look pretty cool yeah that'd be nice yeah i'm still undecided about what i'm going to do when i get to the top about my vice because i have a nice wilton vice on my existing bench and whenever that bench goes off to its reward or to another owner uh, i'm trying to decide if i keep that vice and put it on the new bench or back behind me right Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. is a big vice screw that Chris made a few years ago and I could be persuaded possibly to put use that as a face vice in some sense and I know all the arguments for the leg vice and I'm just not sure that I can buy that so if you are a leg vice devotee and you want to try and persuade me, feel free to leave comments in the, uh, in the comments section on YouTube, and we'll see what happens. See, my thought, this is just me thinking out loud, because you are in an unclimate-controlled place, I would stay away from the wood screw. You would? I would. I just... Knowing the one we built on the, the the workbench we built on the TV show last season, the English style workbench with the Lake Erie wood screw and right. the you know post that goes through kind of as like a, a pivot point or pinch point, like it works really well. But the tolerances to keep the tolerances tight enough that there's no slop in it. I'm afraid it would stick during a humid summer. I don't know right. for sure, unless you went with twin wood screws. Yeah. You gotta do one of these things while you're, yeah, you know, while I you're screwing I tried in. that on my fur, the bench oh. that I have now, I made a face vise that had uh, veneer press screws yeah. on it. And it's, it's just weird. Cause you're like, you know, yeah, that's the you face I make the... too when I do it. So, yeah, you need to get one of the turbo vices from, uh, is it um, Klein, Andy Klein? Is that the All one right. with, like, the exposed gears and whatnot on yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't know that that's the aesthetic that I'm going for. You're not going for, like, steampunky? <laughs> no, not so much. I mean, I think I think the Shakers have a deep-rooted heritage in the steampunk culture. Yeah, yeah. I think they cosplayed steampunk <laughs> on weekends <laughs> you think they died out but they actually went steampunk with the turn yes. of the century so yep they're still yep. among us yeah so the twin turbo vice oh they're back ordered so don't order one right now right so, probably because you know, we were okay. talking about it yeah yeah that's exactly it call now you know <laughs> 
So there was one. There's been very few times where I have regretted not buying a tool. Okay. There was one. Uh, there was a pattern maker vise that went for sale here in Des Moines. Probably, it's been over a year ago. And I went in, and uh, that's when uh, Vince Ancona was here. And I w- walked into his office and showed it to him. I was like, what do you think, Vince? I mean, he's kind of in that old steel world. Um, he's like, yeah. He's like, it's missing a couple parts. So I didn't buy it. But gosh dang it, I wish I would have bought it. Because I keep seeing people that use um, the pattern maker vices, and they they swing out, they hold stuff at different angles, they hold odd shaped stuff really nicely. I'm like, dang it! Then I found one yesterday for sale, and it was twelve hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, I should have bought the one that was two hundred dollars. So Vince bought it. <laughs> he might Probably. have. He might <laughs> like, have. Oh, pattern oh yeah. Vice, huh? Oh, it's definitely missing some yeah. parts. You yeah. should not Probably. call on it. Usually really finicky to adjust. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know. See, I I do have a leg vice, so I'm not gonna show you guys my bench because it's messy. I'll show my bench. It's real woodworking. Yep. Yep. So you see my, this my is the little not leg Instagram bench. Yes. This is my little leg vice. Mm-hmm. There are many leg vices like it, but this one is mine. I like and... how you have a ready source of toasted English muffins for while you're working at your bench too with the with the toaster oven there. I know, right? Yeah, I have stabilizing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> but but uh I the leg vice my leg vice holds pretty well. Um it is a wood screw. It's a, right. a vintage wood screw that I bought bought from a lady in Florida of all places and she shipped it to me. I mean I think I paid like twenty bucks for the screw and like twelve dollars in shipping. Um and it works pretty well. I had to make a, the little brass like garter plate for it um, yeah. out of, I don't know, like 8-inch brass. I bought it at Menards or something. Um, and it works It works fine. Um, I don't like the – I have the pin board to – you oh, know, you, yeah. you, as you unscrew it, you adjust the pin on the bottom uh, as a, a fulcrum point, basically. And it works fine. However – in my back room, I ha- I'm sitting on a set of bench-crafted Lake Vice hardware, or the crisscross oh, um, yeah. from bench-crafted. So, you know, when 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 I decide to build a new ven- bench, which will probably be pretty soon, it'll, it will probably be within the year, I will go back to the Lake Vice. Um, I like it, um, but I also would like, is it weird to have a shoulder vise and a leg vise? Hmm. Like, like, or like a shoulder vice isn't the right word, but like, like, like the Scandinavian vice? style benches. Oh, no, yeah, no. I think that is a shoulder what, vice. Is that a shoulder vice? Yeah. Um, like, I think it'd be kind of cool, but would I ever use it? I don't know. It's like I want to put it on there just to see if I'll use it, but that's dumb, you know. Just mm-hmm. a bolt-on shoulder vice. You can just clamp yes. it to your bench when you need it, and when you don't. <sighs> We were talking about a moxin vice with Dirt Farmer J. Maybe it's a bench-mounted shoulder vice on top. There we go. Who knows? So we go all Christopher Shores and just make up benches and a big backstory for them. Right. Like how they were, you know, the Dutch that immigrated to France from Ethiopia in the 13th century used these. (laughs) 
Seems legit. Seems. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> it's the bench vice. I that found Gandhi... it on a tablet somewhere. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's the vice <laughs> that Gandhi used. Yes. Yes. I mean, probably. So, another thing that I'm toying with is that uh, the bench top design of this workbench uh, has a thick section up front for where the bench dogs are um, and then is mostly a plank top so in making the planked section I was considering and this might just be way too much of putting in like a tapered sliding dovetail cleats to keep the top aligned hmm and add rigidity to the overall structure. Okay. I'm going to have to have you draw it for me later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not following, but it sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> sliding dovetails suck. <laughs> well, it's tapered sliding dovetails, okay. so they don't lock in. So they're really loose until the very end. Until <clears throat> the very end. Till they, they're loose until you don't need them to be. Unless you taper yep. them in the wrong direction. Right, then and they're you're... just tight. Yeah, all the way. <laughs> yeah. So are you saying going from like the are you saying going from the front thick section to the back there would be a, a dovetailed cleat under there? Yeah. Okay. Right. Because what I'm yeah, what I'm saying is that uh there was an article in Fine Woodworking magazine by a guy named Andrew Hunter who mm -hmm among other things, builds Chinese-styled furniture. Mm -hmm. And one of the frame and panel construction techniques is to have a relatively thin materialed frame and then to hold the panel in place and to add rigidity, the panel has, you know, like three, depending on how, the size, you know, like just say three tapered sliding dovetail cleats on the backside. Mm -hmm. And then those are tenoned into the frame. So the panel can still expand and contract, but you're adding the rigidity of the panel to the frame assembly, creating something that's more rigid overall. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I also know all the arguments about just laminating and gluing up a big top too. So there yeah. are many ways to slice and dice things. So, yeah. See, I guess. Hmm. You know, like, for example, I, uh, on the English bench that we did, mm -hmm. uh, that design, which is standard for that practice, is that they're either screwed or nailed through the top into yep. bearers or stretchers underneath. And this is just kind of accommodating the same thing, but in a slightly yeah. different manner. Mm -hmm. Correct. You know, so my, <clears throat> I, I guess I get the, I get the, I get the argument for not having the like you don't need the thickness all the way across right like i i get that but at the same time i think i personally would miss being able to like and your shop's different than mine i can walk all the way around my bench yours is up against the wall so you don't right. ever like go to the backside and just start beating on something like i do Usually because the front edge of my bench is covered in crap and I need to whack out a dovetail real quick or something. So I walk sure. to the other side. And I guess uh, when I go to build a bench, 
I will never regret having a thick top. Yeah. On it, oh, the whole way. Um, I can see that. You know, that's fair. Just yeah. But again, I if you wouldn't have told me, or if I wouldn't have looked at the plans, I would have never known that Chris's bench is not five inches thick the whole way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is there a way to reinforce that with just like fill it in with MDF or something, or you know, to get the yeah. thickness or. Well, on the original plan, I think it's uh, three-quarter inch thick planks that make up mm-hmm. the the bulk of the interior, and the fur that Logan has right now is what five-quarter. It's five-quarter, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm kind of leaning towards like I want to leave it as thick as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. So if I can find f- relatively flat boards, they've all been pretty stable, it appears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that I can keep it. Maybe closer to an inch, maybe a little strong on an inch, mm-hmm. then I feel like I'm kind of money ahead on that. And then that's yeah. where I'm saying that maybe the these doing a tapered sliding dovetail cleat helps add some strength to it. Yeah. And I think it I think it would, especially if you screw down or nail down through it. Yeah. Um you know, and you in a need to. You know, and in a personal education kind of way it's a technique that i've wanted to try mm-hmm. you know and if i can try it and bury the results in a workbench that will never you know nobody will ever see the underside of until i have to move or something like that then then so be it and i've learned learned something from it so yeah anyway it's just been kind of fun to see it take shape uh you guys have seen all the parts in various stages of disarray around the video studio and mm-hmm. uh, I'll post a photo of what the bench base looks like right now um, I think it looks pretty cool so I went yeah. with kind no, of I a green looks... green yeah. colored panels on there yep. um, yeah I'm I'm excited about it I yeah I just hope that somebody comments gives you crap for your artesian walnut loose tenons Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did uh loose tendon joinery on the base and was scavenging around for through our scrap bin to see what we had for stuff that was remotely close to half inch thick and found odd little strips of walnut that we had ripped off of something else. So Yeah. They became loose tendons. So <laughs> And they'll look uh, very nice that you'll never yes, see. Yes, they will. <laughs> <laughs> so, but having worked with all of this softwood on this project, it's a delight. Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's my fulfilling yeah. my vegan woodworking dreams. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I started a couple of weeks ago. I was showing you guys the Easter eggs. I was turning for my kids to color and stuff. And so I, I, there's a platter up here that's basswood. And I also, I have, I have a board of this basswood that we cut for video a couple of months ago, um, leaning up in the corner of my shop and I needed to make some props for an article I'm doing on the joint maker pro, Hmm. um, from bridge city. And like, what a freaking delight. Like, the basswood just... I mean, it's just... Oh, my God. I'm like, why don't I use... I mean, I don't use it because it's it's soft and it's very... Um, it can be very bland. I'm going to grab them so you can see them. But, 
yeah, like we've talked about it in the past on how there's so many underutilized woods, and I think basswood is one of those. I'm gonna grab these quick so you guys can see them. And some of these faces aren't aren't too bad, but like something like this guy, like you can make those little oh yeah, just decorative like ridge cuts. Mm -hmm. um, but you'd see how it's like super. I mean, it's like there is some grain pattern to it, and this yeah. one's more. This is more tan color than just pale white, which a lot of times you get basswood, and especially if it's been kiln dried, it's it's very pale. Um, but like this guy here, you know, just is very soft and springy, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rubber wood. It's like the old old make the pencil look like it's rubber, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I mean same thing. It's like holy cow. This softwood is so much nicer to work with than like our standard walnut or oak or whatever. It's like, man, I understand the vegan woodworking now. Mm -hmm. But I understand it and I subscribe to it. Well, and then for the TV show just recently for season 15, we're building a. It was a plan that originally appeared in Workbench magazine. But designed by our very own Chris Fitch. Um, it's Back a, in 1971. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it was. Uh, it's a planter box, a decent sized planter box, mm -hmm. and has a trellis that's attached to it. And that we built all out of cedar. The original one was cedar. Uh, I'll post some photos of that too. You're just going to have to bear with the background distractions on that but uh that one was fun to work with too because we had some decent cedar mm -hmm. that john found i don't know even where yeah. you got it john menards all right <laughs> and shout yeah <laughs> anybody from the executive suite at menards would love to sponsor the woodsmith shop tv <laughs> yeah. show okay logan's wearing the hat logan's I, got the hat i'm always wearing the menards hat <laughs> Um, each of us have spent a significant amount of money there to have yes. <laughs> Menards Bucks rebate checks. Right. I'm getting my 11% rate of return mm -hmm. yep. on yep. my 401k. <laughs> that is Menards. And there is at least six bottles of Sprecher's root beer in my refrigerator as we speak. Yes. So... Yep. Uh. This episode Making of the Shop Notes pitch. podcast not brought to you by Menards, but mm -hmm. should be. It right? should be. So. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when we were building that planter bench. I, like, I don't know how many times during building it, I said, "Holy God, why do I use cedar more?" Because it just it smells great, it works mm -hmm. great. It can be, it can tear out when you're planting it. Uh, yeah, it, it gets reversing grain. Um, but oh my gosh, like uh, it's phenomenal. I actually have some um promised a friend of mine that i make him a couple planter boxes coincidentally enough out of some northern white cedar that i have um, yeah and I'm, I'm looking forward to using it for that yeah i just i've found some cedar where it feels almost foamy or spongy you know that yeah. it just kind of crushes but this yeah. stuff was really nice and you know, if you take your yeah. time to pick through it, you know, and uh, over my spring break, I was helping my brother-in-law build a planter box, and he had gotten some uh, cedar also from Menards, mm -hmm. and it was their uh, inch and three-quarter thick stuff. So yep. 
one face was planed and then the other face was still rough, which I didn't realize that Menards did. Um, but it was, it was, it was a delight to work with as well too. I mean, we worked outside on it and you know, you just, it's as soon as you start cutting it up, it's like you've filled the air with incense. So, yeah, I, uh, this weekend I, I spent some time with one of my arborists, um, and a guy down the road from me that has a sawmill, uh, his name is Bob Reynolds, super great guy. He was fun to hang out with. Um, but my arborist had dropped off a bunch of trees there over the last couple of years. And, uh, the, the understanding was, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and have you cut a handful of these trees for me, but you can keep the rest of them. Um, and two of them that we cut on Saturday were red cedars. Uh, oh. not like not western red cedars but like aromatic cedar yeah um so like what you use for inside of a blanket chest and oh god it smelled so good it smelled yeah. so good it was it was kind of surprising to me when we made a cut into a couple of them there was some rot in them um which cedar is usually pretty rot resistant but yeah um super cool very very odd opening up a log and having it be like eggplant purple you know? <laughs> <laughs> like like I get it that most most colors we have occur naturally in the world somewhere, but when you open up a log that and it's just is like eggplant color, it's like wow, that's really cool. It doesn't stay that color, but it's like no. wow, it looks really nice. So. Yeah. Uh, my grandma, her house, when when I was a kid, she had one of the upstairs bedrooms had a walk-in closet that was entirely lined with cedar. And it was just, I mean, it's a closet, but it was still always fun to just crack open the door and you just kind of get that whiff in yeah. your face. And Which I, I wonder how long it, because it, the aroma from cedar comes from the oils. It's, that's my right. understanding. Mm -hmm. It comes yeah. from the oils in the wood. So I wonder how long that actually will stick around. Like, Well, I think I the know. surface, and again, somebody, an expert beyond yep. the ill-informed knowledge that the three of us have. Um, I believe the surface oxidizes and yep. the oils, you know, either off gas or whatever, that they're not there anymore, but you yep. can sand away that oxidation and then sure. be able to expose a new, I mean, and that this cedar closet had been in there for decades and it still right. had it still smelled. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say in most of the time in those cases, it's pretty like a chest or a closet where it's sealed up. It's going to last yeah. longer than it would in the open yeah, air. That's, prob so. that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. John Doyle, what do you got going on? Mm -hmm. um, well, since I haven't been on for a few weeks, I had that uh, extended spring break from the podcast. I did finish up my uh, built-in cabinet a couple weeks ago, completely done, so kind of just retired from woodworking that has completed my journey <laughs> so i don't know what else to do with my life so uh, yeah yeah it was just kind of the um false fronts on the drawers that i had sitting around i had sprayed them and they sat here for a week or two and then kind of wait for them to off gas and took them home uh right after spring break and got them installed so it's always interesting um putting on multiple false fronts because it's like the bottom bottom one i'm trying to line up with the door next to it it's got to be perfect so i get that on and then the top one is like trying to line up with the top of the door you get all the spacing and then get the middle ones 
you know, spaced evenly. So it's a lot of spacers and jigs and it's a, it's a process. Yeah. So that's why it took 14 years. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I have that done now and it's like, well, what do I do with all this storage? So there's just a lot of fairly empty drawers and, and stuff for now, but stuff will find its way in there. I know. Yes. Yep. So. Say, Nate, yeah, nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did with this cabinet at first. I hung it up. I'm like, well, okay, I got my all my tools hung up. What am I going to put in the rest of it? And then all of a sudden, I look, I turn around, and it's like the shelves were full. I'm like, how how did that happen? <laughs> like, there was yeah. so much space, and now there's not. Yeah, you just have a flat surface in your shop, and it just gathers yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but speaking of like the cedar you know, smell lasting is the same with like the door on, on that cabinet. I sprayed it and, and let it sit for a week before I attached it. But even now, probably a month later, I still open up that door. It's like, Oh, the lacquer fumes come out. And yep. <laughs> so keeps the moths away though. I'll say that's yeah. a real thing to keep the moths away. Is yeah. The, mm-hmm. the caustic yeah. lacquer yeah. fumes. It's like a, a jar with a little cotton ball of acetone in it. Just <laughs> sleepy time for the moths. <laughs> So, but yeah, so I got that done and then uh, let's see, I've been working on the revolving tool station here on video. I had worked on that, uh, before spring break and this week jumping back on it and hopefully wrapping it up today or tomorrow. So that'll be a fun video for, for people. That's a pretty popular project and just kind of one of those weird things that's like, Mm -hmm. why didn't we think of this before? And right. Just it's out there and. But super yeah. cool. Yeah, you know, because I've helped—I helped my father-in-law build one, and then to watch you work on this one and to help out when I can is—it's still just a fun, fun project. Like I just don't know why I had overlooked it before, or maybe because sometimes it seems a little too gimmicky. Yeah. But dang it, it works really well. Right. Yeah. So and I think that's why it's been popular all over these years is you know people see that and it's like oh yeah that is a really good idea and handy little corner cabinet for the shop so but yeah that's been fun and see yeah like you said we finished up that trellis last week on the tv show and got that done and out the door and be starting on a, some other projects for the show next week and just keep chugging along yeah so and it's a sunny day, so everybody's feeling a little bit more optimistic. So, yeah. Doing anything in your home shop? I haven't, just because, like you said, the warm days have been few and far between this spring, and then when they have, they've been windy. But I feel like this, the sun's going to be shining here soon, and dig into some of those piles of projects that I've, you know, put to the side, and hopefully get some more done cool yeah all right i have one last topic to bring up for today as a discussion point uh last issue or i guess it's the current issue of the magazine woodsmith number 254 i believe i did an article kind of as a introduction or slightly comparison contrast between three different types of joinery um specifically Uh, dowels biscuits and the domino and logan just recent logan dylan did not the other logan you did not (laughs) 
so just so everybody knows, for the last forty years, people have mistaken. Or they've called me Dylan. I don't know if they've called Dylan Logan or if they just call me I think Dylan. So. Yeah, yeah. They, it's gone or, both ways. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm short and fat. He's tall and skinny. Like, I don't get it. I don't know. All you millennials look the same. Right. I guess. I guess. <laughs> anyway, my apologies. Dylan <laughs> did a seminar on the same topic, Domino's biscuits and uh, dowels. And I had somebody write in in response to that uh, because I knew in bringing up the Domino yeah. that – People have very strong polarized feelings about Festool, no matter what they, no matter what of the Festool products you're talking about. But mm-hmm. specifically the Domino, and the guy wrote in was a nice, you know, he did it in a very nice way. Um, so I'm going to respond to him. I think he misunderstood what I was trying to get across in one of my paragraphs, but nevertheless, it brought to mind the idea of premium tools for home woodworkers and festool is just the one off the top of my head but you can insert whatever you want in there whether it's you know festool power tools or lee nielsen hand planes Mm -hmm. or blue spruce chisels or whatever so i wanted to get very attacked right now So I just wanted to get your take, each of you, on uh, premium level tools and where they fit in, in your view, as a, as either a hobbyist or, I mean, I guess we do this sort of professionally as well, mm-hmm. but what do you guys think? Yeah. I don't know. There's all levels of, of woodworkers and, you know, some people are perfectly happy buying cheap tools and and can get the job done that way and i can see the resentment of people you know that like festool and the like the ones you mentioned i won't name them all that you know or woodpecker or that have a certain like hate to them because they're expensive but you know they are high quality and if you're buying them and you're using them and you find joy in that that's great you know I don't have any hate towards that. So um, if you're just buying them to hang them on the wall or they sit in a box and collects dust, that's probably, you know, a bit much. But I mean, if you're using them and enjoy them and because um, you can buy cheaper tools and just, you know, fight them the whole way. And, you know, that's not worth it if you're not, you're, yeah. you know, get them and you don't enjoy them or they don't work. or So sometimes it's worth, you know, getting a little higher quality tool that really gets the job done and makes life easier so you know i'm fine with it okay yeah you know as as somebody who owns blue spruce and lee nielsen tools i so i have i have a problem like if i'm getting into something i like to see like where the top end of something is Right, like mm-hmm. sure. as far as product, like if I'm if I'm getting into fly fishing, just as an example, I want to know, I want to see who makes the nicest rods out there. Mm-hmm. 
that doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily buy them because I don't know that I'm going to like fly fishing that much, right? So I'm going to start a little bit lower. Uh, from my own personal standpoint with woodworking, you know, woodworking quite obviously is something that I really enjoy. Regardless of doing it for my job or not, I would do as much woodworking if I still managed a print shop as I do today, you know? Um, so with that being said, I, I follow the mantra of buy once, cry once, you know, like it or hate it. Um, I don't know that... Uh, that that doesn't necessarily hold true in all cases because you can you can make a Stanley number five work as well as Lee Nielsen number five, you can do that. It's not it's not a thing. Um, I like to have fewer tools but higher quality tools. So I sold all my Stanleys to buy my Lee Nielsens. Same thing with my uh, my blue spruce. I sold a bunch of vintage chisels. Um, I still have a set of these uh, these Bailey chisels. Um, from Menards, so uh, you know I, I still have a set of them, but I traded those in. I sold them for my blue spruce. Um, so I I get the hate, like oh my god, are you're gonna spend three hundred fifty or four hundred dollars on a hand plane? Sure. Um, yeah, there are less expensive options. However, there is a there's a certain pleasure you get from using tools that you like. Right, and I like all my tools. Um, I like my higher end tools. They the fit, the finish is very, very nice on them. Um, you know, getting off the hand tool train. Uh, one of the couple of oh, it's probably been a couple of years ago now. Uh, I had gotten um, some stuff from Merca for a mm. sanding article we did. Um, uh, it was it's concentrating on sandpaper. Um, they had supplied us a couple different things and then one of their sanders to use in the photos. And I had used it for like 20 minutes doing the photos, right? And in those 20 minutes, that's where I had an epiphany that I'm like, I need to buy one of these sanders because it just changed my entire thoughts on sanding. I used to hate sanding, used to dread it. But that Merca sander didn't make it enjoyment, but it made it much more enjoyable so i knew at some point i was going to buy a murka sander now a murka sander is six hundred dollars i mean it's very expensive for a random orbit sander but i bought a used one because i found one locally that was used and i was able to buy it sure. um so i get it i get the i get the hate and i get the enjoyment out of it so mm -hmm. uh, like john said it's like it's, it's up to the person that's buying it i understand the hate or the shade or whatever that people have at Festool because their, their, their products are expensive, but I think a lot of people lose sight of, there's a lot of development. There's a lot of engineering. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot that goes into produce a tool like that. Yeah. Like let's say the, the domino, I mean the domino, the 500 is $980. Okay that's a lot that's a lot of money mm -hmm. um i don't own one would i love to own one yeah i'd love to own one but i'd love to find a used <laughs> one i don't want to buy a new one um but i get it i mean festool basically they, they engineer that thing from the ground up right so there's a lot of time that's wrapped up to into it and the telltale sign to me for a quality tool 
is you don't find used ones for sale. So it's very, very rare to find somebody that has a used Festool Dominoes for sale, or even, even Festool used stuff is very rare and it commands a price that is about 90% of retail. So like the Festool Domino 500 at $980 to buy a used one, it's still going to be 850 to 900 bucks. Yeah. And to me that, that tells me that the people that buy their products like them, they see value in them. They see quality in them. Um, so I've went through probably since I started heavily woodworking right out of college, um, I went through four different random orbital sanders. Hmm. So, you know, you figure those four random orbital sanders, they're all, uh, there's a Bosch. There was one Harbor Freight in there, but there was a couple Boshes and a DeWalt. And I went through them. Um, you figure between those four, I probably spent, you know, 300 bucks. So buying the Merca used for about that, um, I'm expecting it to last longer. So that's my mm-hmm. lot of talking with very little answer yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like any pastime, I guess. Like you have to look at golf. If you're just going to go dink around, you know, a few times a year, a old hand-me-down set of clubs, you know, it's probably going to be fine. But if you're doing it every weekend and you really want to enjoy it, you're probably going to get more enjoyment out of spending the money and getting a decent set of clubs that fit you and, and, you know, you're really going to um, see that if you're using it every weekend and just be happier and get better results. So yeah. kind of just depends I mean, on I, your level. Yeah, I choose between buying nice tools and feeding my kids. So right. I buy nice tools. I mean, skinny kids are they're great. They're skinny right kids now. are great. Skinny kids are healthy kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, we'd love to hear them. You can email them, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. The Shop Notes podcast is also available on YouTube. We have it on our YouTube channel. You can check that out. Uh, You can search under Woodsmith Shop for that. And there you can see some of the things that we've been talking about, uh, project updates. We'll also put some of those on our show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcast. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. Furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.